Good morning. Thank you. This is the day. <laughs> this is the day the Lord has made. I'm rejoicing. I'm glad too. <laughs> what a beautiful day it is outside, and what uh, uh, wonderful it is to look out there and see you. And we're going to have a great day of worship here. At this time, as we gather here, might we lift up our voices, our prayers, and our presence unto Almighty God to give Him all the praise and all the honor. you to stand as we join for our hymn of celebration number 102 now thank we all our God She was in my sunshine choir this year, which goes from about three years old through second grade. And I asked my second graders if they would like to share their gift of music at the end of the year. And Anna chose to do this. So Anna's giving you the gift of her love and her singing today. I want to walk as a child of the 
Tell you a little story about Anna. She was practicing so hard for this time, and she practiced over and over again because she wanted to be just perfect for all of us. Yesterday, she got laryngitis. So her, her mom said, you can't practice tomorrow. You can only sing today. So thank you, Anna, for doing such a good job and practicing so hard for us. As we come then to our time of prayer, I would invite you to turn in your hymn books to our prayer hymn. And as we join in number 463, verses 1, 4, and 5, let us come to God in prayer.
pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks as we gather together here this day. And in the name of Jesus Christ, come to the foot of the throne of your grace, acknowledging here today that there are many needs in life, and that we have uplifted those with concerns this day for our loved ones sick, for those who have passed, for situations of life. We pray, O Lord, for each of these, for extended family, friends, and loved ones, that these families might feel this sure power of your strength and love to be with them, and that they might find granted today the strength to go on, the love to be encouraged, and the power to continue in the way. Let your grace and your presence and the hand of Jesus Christ be upon each one and bring them your blessing. We give you thanks for all the joys today, for birthdays and anniversaries, for special occasions, for weddings, for baptisms. We give you thanks for these things that bring so much joy and love into life and pray that each one will also feel your wonderful presence and love today. We give you thanks, O Lord, truly, as we gather here for your presence that is always with us. And so now, Lord, we take these next few moments of simple silence and in our hearts simply ask that we might lift up a particular need or prayer of our hearts that we need to bring to you today. And that, O oh God, in that we might remember that you are the Lord who hears and loves and responds, and that you have said that all who are heavy laden bring to you their burdens and you will give them rest. So hear our hearts, O oh Lord, in these next moments. And may we give these burdens to you that we might find the blessing of your holy answer through Jesus Christ. Hear us, O oh God. Thank you, O Lord, for even but a moment to lift our hearts to you and that we might find that in a moment of time the blessing of eternity can touch us and bring us the answer we need. And so now, O God, we affirm our faith together as we gather together here, remembering the words Jesus taught us so long ago and yet which we once more pray as we say today, Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not unto temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
the ushers come forward as we receive this morning's gifts, tithes, and offerings.
give you thanks and praise for these our gifts, tithes, and offerings. We present them before your throne and ask that we use these for the gift of your church in this community and throughout this world. In your son we pray. Amen. Amen. a reading from the Word of God. Create in us a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within us, according to your grace and mercy. May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear the scripture from St. Matthew, chapter 22, verses 15 through 22. Then the Pharisees went and plotted to entrap him in what, in what he said. So they sent their disciples to him, along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are sincere, and teach the way of God in accordance with the truth, and show deference to no one. For you do not regard people with partiality. Tell us, then, what you think. 
Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. Then he said to them, Whose head is this, and whose title? They answered, The emperor's. Then he said to them, Give, therefore, to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are to God. When they heard this, they were amazed, and they left him and went away. This is God's word for God's people. Thanks be unto God. May we pray. Glorious God, we give you thanks and praise as we hear together, read the word, that it speaks to our hearts and our lives. We have ears and a willingness to receive that we might be transformed by your Holy Spirit. We thank you for this day that we come into your presence through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. It's funny how some people deal with the issue of taxes. For example, the Internal Revenue Service received the following letter from a taxpayer who was bothered by his conscience. It stated, Dear Sir, my conscience bothered me. Here is $175 which I owe in back taxes. Also, uh, there was a PS at the bottom of the letter. It said, If my conscience still bothers me, I'll send the rest of it later. <laughs> Or during an IRS audit, the defendant was asked to explain a $5,000 write-off on it that was flagged as bad investment. It seemed obvious to the man that was being audited, and he explained, that $5,000 bad investment was my last year's taxes. <laughs> Just yesterday, I had the opportunity to, uh, to officiate or to preside over a memorial for a, a woman who passed away. She was 103 and a half years old. She was born in 1913 in rural Montana, and as I was researching her life and as I was looking over kind of the time frame, I realized the year that she was born, the 16th Amendment passed, which the 16th Amendment uh, allowed for the federal income tax. So I blamed her generation. <laughs> but this passage isn't about taxes. So let's look at Jesus' question. Whose head is on this? And look at his responses. Give to the emperor what is the emperor's and give to God what is God. And as we heard, Jesus is approached with a loaded question. The Pharisees, the Herodians come to him with a loaded question. But he responds by asking whose image is on this coin in order to call out those who were challenging him and to teach a vital lesson about living and about life. By asking their question, they put Jesus to a test, but he saw right through it. The scripture says, why do you test me? To state the obvious, we know Jesus' mission was not to tell people not to pay taxes. It wasn't to revolt. It wasn't to separate from society or from their role in society, but rather his mission was to transform lives and to transform hearts. Here Jesus addresses the issue of whose image they focus on, and in turn, how are they to represent that image that they're offering? You see, the coin simply becomes an object lesson. It's a standard silver Roman denarius depicting the emperor's image with an inscription making a claim about Caesar's status. This inscription asserts that the Caesar or that the emperor is divine and that he has a claim as the mediator of an emerging Roman state religion. 
This is the coin that's presented to him. These ideas of Caesar as divine or as, as the mediator fly in the opposition, go against Jewish belief and Jewish theology. And the coin issues a constant reminder. Every time they look at that coin, they see the inscription, they see this face. It reminds them of religious loyalties embedded in Roman imperial society, that their allegiance was to be to Caesar, not to God. It was almost a, a pay-to-play kind of world where full participation required serious commitment to the emperor. If you were to be a citizen, if you were to be even a slave, everything was given to emperor. Your life, your finances, your loyalty, your fidelity. People needed to use this coin to stay in the emperor's good graces. The Herodians who came to Jesus wanted to please Caesar. They loved King Herod and wanted to please King Herod. He was a puppet king. And they wouldn't necessarily have been concerned with what God was doing in their culture. Or even with this coin as it was presented by the Pharisees. The Pharisees should have been worried about the law and about the things that God desired for God's people. But instead they used this coin to trap Jesus by bringing up an issue of taxes. Jesus knew the importance of his answer because he's highlighting the hazards of life under the empire and issuing a sharp criticism. He's calling it like he sees it. His words, give to the emperor, use a language of, of settling a debt. You know, give back to or pay back to the emperor that which the emperor holds over you. And you know those words had to have stung when they heard it. Jesus was saying, pay back the emperor, give him what you owe him, complete the deal. Acknowledge the benefits that you get in that relationship. You see, the empire wasn't going to give anybody anything for free. They were going to take whether you possess coins or privilege, influence or opportunity or status, it was going to demand something of a loyalty from the people who had those things. And it makes it hard for a person to give back to God when they're giving back to Caesar. Your loyalties are split. Your, your devotion is divided. You know, Jesus uses the parable, you can't have two masters. Though Rome is long since ended and the empire is long since gone, the challenges facing people of faith today remain the same and just as real, even though it's a little less subtle than an image stamped on a coin. You see, today we as members of society, we as citizens of the U.S., we as people simply want to be in the game, so to speak. You know, we, we constantly walk a line and sometimes a fine line of living by faith and living by societal standards and living the way that we're expected to live within our society. We sometimes, it feels, prefer to live a life that is like everyone else. We want to live like other people, not wanting to be people set apart or living as an example apart from the things that drive this world. It's amazing if you ever, when you go into the grocery store and to Target or any store and you see the magazines and the tabloids and the things that we, that we love or that get brought to, our for, to the forefront and to our attention. The fame, the riches, the success, the tragedies, the, the tabloid news. If you remember a few weeks ago, Gary asked us, could you name you know, the 10 Oscar winners? Could you name the last you know, 10 Nobel Peace Prize winners? And he asked us all these questions. 
It seems as though today we seek a variety of recognition or power or prestige. And these are the things that we, that we lift up in our society so often. You know, even within churches, we talk about wanting to be culturally relevant and get into arguments that threaten to divide the body or sometimes do divide the body. Yeah, I, I was watching um, live feeds and, and, and all the reviews of the General Conference, our, our big conference that meets every four years for the United Methodist Church. And it was amazing to see, in my understanding, Lynn Dockin was there. Uh, she saw firsthand the, the joys and the heartaches of the United Methodist Church. Um, but at the General Conference, you saw major rifts and major fights. And sometimes, even in churches, we become culturally irrelevant because we fight so much that that becomes the focus. I was amazed how many news feeds were talking about the fighting going on and not the discussions that were happening at the general conference. And somewhere along the lines, even within the church, we start to lose the message that we desire to share and that we desire to bring. So Jesus calls our attention to the dangers of seeking power and trying to be part of the system, to court the establishment, so to speak. You know, Jesus was faced by people who were more concerned with lining their pockets or, or winning the favor of those in power at the expense of an authentic relationship with God. He was calling it out. But, you know, times haven't changed that much. We all know people who fit this bill. People, whether it be it at work or maybe in our personal lives, I've even heard rumors this happens in politics, where people try to climb the ladder, you know, people try to get ahead or, or watch out for self-interest. First, we seek the approval of others at any cost. It's people who want everyone to see how great they are and see all the am amazing, successful things that they've done, to pat themselves on the back, to, to puff their shoulders up and say, see all of the amazing things I have accomplished in life. I was listening to a radio station not too long ago, and they talked about how Facebook you know, the, the Gen Xers, the Millennials, although they're kind of getting away from Facebook, but social media in general, how we look for the likes. You know, we post something, we want to see our likes if it 50, 100, 500, 1,000. We want people to like that which we post. So often it appears that sometimes we spend so much time and energy on the things the world seems to value, but we miss the true value in life. We seek after fame or fortune, or whatever, and we miss the value that God gives right before our very eyes. And that's why I love the words that we're confronted with when Jesus says, but give to God that which is God's. Give to God that which belongs to God. And again, this word give carries a sense of giving back from a debt perspective. It's giving to the one who already owns it all, who, who holds it all. And we've heard this message before. It's not a new message. But how do we know what things belong to God? And there's a simple answer for that. When they said, when Jesus said to them, show me a denarius, they picked up the coin and he saw an image. When you see that word image that's used there is the same Greek word that's used in the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament for image. And I know you know this verse. Genesis 1, 26 and 7 states, Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image, 
according to our likeness. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. It goes on in Genesis 9. For in his own image, God created humankind. You see the joy in that is we're stamped with a thumbprint. We're stamped with the image of God, and therefore we are to give God ourselves, our whole selves, not just some part of who we are, but everything in who we are over to God. I love the song, The Little Drummer Boy, that is sung at Christmas time. You know, he comes before the manger and he says, I've got nothing to give, so I'm going to give my best. And he played his drum. You know, I couldn't help but think of you know, Christian McKenzie with your daughter. You know, that's the best. As a parent, holding a baby is amazing. But to present your child, to, to celebrate the sacrament of baptism, that's the best. That's an amazing gift. You know, this is the joy we are called to give everything that we are over to God. Because sometimes it can be tough. If we're honest with ourselves, giving our whole self over to God isn't something we're accustomed to. You know, maybe we're inclined to give God our mind, but, you know, our hearts are going to stay far away or at least a little bit of a distance. Or maybe we want to give our heart to God, but we're unwilling to trust that God is actually watching over us. Or maybe we're willing to give God our strength, but we're unwilling to give him more. You know, to, to give him all of our worship or to be in fellowship or to be part of a body. Maybe we give God one or two hours a week, but God says, I want all 168 hours. Or maybe we fail to see ourselves as truly made in the image of God. And we struggle to give God who we are because we say, God, you don't understand. If you knew my history, if you knew this stuff about me, if you knew I'm not good, you're going to... Whatever the case might be. You know, I think of the old story, and I've shared this a while ago, but it's the knock of the door, and Jesus is standing there. And the person answers the door and says, oh, come on in. Can I get you some coffee, kick back, you know, rest for a while? And the story goes on that Jesus looked all over the house and finally gets to that one closet in the hallway. And we probably all have that closet. You know, when people come over, you throw all your stuff in there, and you keep it hidden until they come out, and then you put the chunk back all over well, Jesus shows up in that closet, and he says, that's the door I want to open. And the person says, yeah, but those are my skeletons. I can't let you in there. And God says, I've got a broom. Let's go. You see, if we truly want to give to God what's God's, we can't give him part. You know, we can't say, God, this belongs to you, but these things I'm going to keep. These things I'm going to hold for myself apart from you. You know, this area is none of your business, God. Because we're created in God's image, we are to give God all of who we are. Because we're created in God's image, we represent the very nature of God to this world. If we believe, First John, for God is love, and everyone that is born of God knows God, for God is love. Beloved, let us love one another. Everything we are and everything we have belongs to God. Not just the things we own, but our whole self in all of its glory and all of its blemish. Everything we are and everything we have, we give back to God, living according to this kingdom of God principle, this kingdom of God reality that Jesus ushered in. Everything we are and everything we have and everything we do sets for this world an example of God's kingdom here and now. Imagine for a moment 
what life would look like if we individually and we as a community gave ourselves entirely to God. Every aspect of who we are gave back to God. Our churches wouldn't necessarily merely be a private place for ourselves where we rest from a busy week and surround ourselves with people we love, but rather they become places of healing that would welcome in weary travelers wherever they might come from. They would be sanctuaries that offer comfort and peace and encouragement to others to continue their journey. Our families wouldn't be a bunch of people who share the bathroom and fight over the remote control. Our families would become centers where godly values are shaped and molded and where unconditional love and understanding and forgiveness, especially forgiveness, is lived out and extended. Our possessions, our cars, our homes, our countless toys we have wouldn't be things that give us value, but rather they would be used to glorify God and not simply to keep up with the Joneses. It, there's that old saying that I love, you know, the one who dies with the most toy, what? Wins. Well, reality, the one who dies with the most toys still dies. <laughs> the use of everything we own, we want to hopefully give back to God because we know we're created in God's image by the creator of all creation himself. We give ourselves to God because we are God's first he created us to worship, to reflect his radiance in this world, to share his love and grace and peace. The Psalms tell us he knows every hair on our head. As we go forth from today, I want to challenge us, and I want to encourage us to think about the things in our lives that, that God wants us to give back, but we're fighting to thumb and nail, you know, the white knuckles like you're holding on with a car, Steering wheel, the white knuckles, God, I don't want to let this go. If there are things that you're holding on to that you refuse to give back to God, give to God that which belongs to God. Let go in order to let God do something amazing in and through your life. Give to God that which belongs to him, which is your life in every moment of your life, in order to learn to live in worship, to bring glory and honor to God. You see the joy, and I think I can speak for Gary on this one, the joy of being a pastor at this congregation and the joy of getting to serve in ministry alongside of Gary for all of these years is we stand up here every Sunday and we get to see the image of God. We get to look out at you and see God's face. There's not a doubt in my mind that God's thumbprint is on you. Scripture tells us all throughout it. The blessing and the joy, though, is allowing ourselves to see that image. Not to look at a coin, but to look at a mirror. To see that you are fully created in God's image. Not perfect, but perfectly forgiven. And in so doing, to bring that image to the world. To even one. May we pray. God, we give you thanks and praise for the opportunity not to think about a coin, but to think about something far more valuable, to know that you have created us in your image, to be your hands, your feet, your voice, your body, knowing full well we'll get it wrong, knowing full well we'll do stupid things, but even in that time, 
you are still there in our midst, walking ever with us. May we seek your face. May we learn to let go. We know our shoulders will never be big enough, but your grace will. We thank you for this day in your presence. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. I'd like to invite you to stand as we join in our hymn of dedication, The Black, The Faith We Sing. It's number 2158, Just a Closer Walk with Thee. out and take the hand of someone near you and as the choir brings our choral blessing and you receive the benediction may God truly go with us all this day
And so now in the name of God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, go forth this day to transform the world through Jesus Christ. Amen.